Hi, and welcome back to Classic and Curious. This is Ann Kikoski, and in this episode, we are fortunate enough to have Liz Broder as our guest. A native New Yorker and retired award-winning inn owner, she shares with us her insights on hosting guests in your home. Having inn locations in Kennebunk, Maine, and most recently, Southampton, New York, Liz has hosted over a thousand guests, and I was fortunate enough to be one of them. In fact, several times. Liz made every stay feel easy and approachable. For centuries, hosting guests in our home have been part of how we live, a timeless memory unique to the host and guests themselves. Since many of us love to host guests in our home, I thought it would be a perfect idea to have Liz share with us her insights and provide us a few tips on how to host a wonderful guest stay. Cheers to Liz. Let's start our chat. Okay. Hi, Liz. How are you? I'm doing great, Anne. Nice to be with you today. I know. I feel so lucky to have you as a guest because as I think about hosting people at our homes, there's nobody that I felt more at home with than you. And I think you and Eric just created a memory for myself and Don that will transcend the rest of our lives. And I think as I thought a little bit about what to talk about on a podcast. I felt we're all hosting now at our homes and having guests over. And I think friendships are those things or just time away with other people, right? Family, et cetera. It's so wonderful to have people in your home and stay. And, you know, like myself, I'm always thinking, what should I be doing? What am I missing? How do I prepare? And I probably create more angst than I need to. But I do think there's something special about having someone at your home. And when I think about my time in Watermill, New York, at White Fences Inn, it's what I emulate. And I have to admit, you're my muse. So I do believe in sharing. And so what I'm sharing with all my listeners right now is who my muse is for entertaining and hosting at home. So Liz, tell us all a little bit about your hosting journey. Well, I'm first of all, I'm flattered to be on here. And more importantly, I'm even more honored now to call you my friend that came from hosting and how I got into hosting is a little bit of a crazy story. And you'll appreciate this because mm-hmm. it all started around a few cocktails. <laughs> so he was in the garment business for many years. And during the financial crisis, it imploded and had no idea what to do with ourselves because my husband was in the same business. And we were enjoying two martinis out in the Hamptons, sitting, looking at the water, waiting for a dinner reservation. And I came up with this brainstorm of let's open a bed and breakfast because there was no real hospitality business or places to stay in the Hamptons. And I figured, why not? So unfortunately, it didn't work out for the Hamptons originally because it was just hard. They, they don't believe in that business there. So long story short, we ended up in Kennebunk, Maine. We just on a whim said, we're going to do this, had no knowledge of the business But my husband was like, it's a real estate investment. What if we don't like it? If we hate it, we have a real estate investment. We own the property. And what we really decided was we wanted to bring to the end business what we felt was missing and what we had experienced and the memories we made from all our years of travel 
like you, corporate travel all over the world, all over the United States, great experiences, horrible experiences. So that's basically where it, it really started was just taking some of the fabulous hotel experiences and the amenities and the people that we got to experience and what we look back and say were the best days of our lives. So we love people. I love to cook. Being in sales my whole career, I looked at it, it was another form of sales, just being with people and creating experiences. So I look at hospitality as caring for people and creating experience and making a memory that, as you said, lasted quite some time for you. <laughs> so true. So true. So so when you started your inn in Watermill, tell me a little bit about how you thought about what you wanted to create for your guest. Well, the Hamptons was definitely a different mindset than Kenny Bunk, Maine, which was our first experience because of the true luxury that exists for people that visit the Hamptons. So I really wanted to take it up a notch. And I had stayed at most of the inns that were there. And I felt that most of them, quite honestly, were tired and worn out, but charging a lot of money for tired and worn out. So I wanted to really create the true boutique experience from the minute people arrived to when they were departing. So the first thing, obviously, it's a lot about amenities and just the aesthetic of when you walk in and the look and the feel. And I wanted something the way people live today, not the old doily and Ralph Lauren florally, which that ship has sailed. So mm -hmm. I wanted a little bit more contemporary feeling. Mm -hmm. So I relied on my Matuk and Frette and Malin and Getz and those type of amenities. But at the same time, I realized that people that are coming to the Hamptons, it's not an easy destination to get to. So you're tired. You've probably been in traffic for at least three hours. You're a little bit hungry and you're just a little bit beaten up from the journey to get there. So you just really wanted to relax. So why not have a cold Prosecco waiting upon entry or a cold Pellegrino for those that don't want and some nice robes sitting on the bed and the pool is right there. So just to try to really automatically get people to relax from the minute they walked in. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where it started. Oh, and I so felt that. And I can remember walking into your place in Watermill. And the first thing, obviously, I met you and Eric. But then I was like, I felt like it was a home reinvented. And from the artwork to the storytelling in the room to the beautiful cashmere blanket on the bed to just not only the aesthetics, but how I was made to feel. And I think it was a combination of all of those things, right? Because hosting is somewhat sensory, if you think about it, right? It's how the person makes you feel. And then it's this whole beautiful feeling when your eye just starts to dance around a space that all mixes up and you're like, oh my gosh, I feel so at home. And so I think that's one of my fondest memories. So as you think about, my gosh, Liz, you've probably hosted over thousands of people, right? In your years. I never even thought about how many. It, yes. Know, you're probably right. <laughs> yeah. It's what so funny. The thing is 
so many, what, what was really interesting about the Hamptons versus Maine is so many of the people, they, as you keep saying, thought of it as a home. They felt like they were visiting friends and they booked year out and six weekends in a row. So it became almost like their summer rental destination. Oh, I love that. But they liked it even better because they didn't have to cook. They didn't mm-hmm. have to clean. Their bed was made for them. Every <laughs> and we became, you know, like with you, we became friends. As in the afternoon, we would have wine together or there would be something or an extended breakfast period. I really wanted people to feel like it was their home away from home. I totally agree. And I felt that as well. And I just couldn't wait for the afternoon cookies. That's for certain. <laughs> so as we think a little bit about... How do we give advice to our listeners? How do we take that amazing experience I felt that you created for me? And if you had to give our listeners advice on how to recreate that in your home, what would you say are the most important things to consider? Well, first of all, you have to relax because that vibe is going to be sent right out. If you're anxious and you're nervous and you're not comfortable with who you're hosting or what you're hosting, I don't think you're going to have fun and I don't think your guests are going to have fun. So I always try to think of people were coming. I tried to make them feel like they were family and friends. So just relax. Don't make it overcomplicated. I mean, make it as special as I always put myself in the guest point of view. What would, how would I like to feel? What would be important to me? Mm -hmm. And, you know, also think about who you're hosting. Are they gourmet people or are they hamburger and hot dog people? Don't overcomplicate it. Make Mm -hmm. it as simple and try to do as much prep as possible. It really will make the experience so much more enjoyable for you and your guests because the bottom line is they're coming to spend time with you. It's mm-hmm. not about all the other stuff we build around it. And sometimes it gets too complicated. So right. I would say if you're uncomfortable with hosting, try to keep it simple. Try to do a few things that are special. Yet maybe it's warm cookies when somebody arrives. Maybe it's the cold beverage when somebody arrives. It doesn't have to be overcomplicated. I did things that I enjoyed doing. I enjoyed baking. I enjoyed cooking. So those were things that I could share with people. And a lot of people aren't comfortable with those things. But that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you can't have lovely scones that you bought at the bakery down the street. I mean, right? I just tried to make it something you wouldn't have at home. And of course, we heard time and time again from the husbands, well, why don't I get a breakfast like this at home? (laughs) My response would be, well, then this experience wouldn't be special for you. So, you know, it's not about getting up at five o'clock in the morning. I never did that. (laughs) I was Mm -hmm. like, no, 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 no. That's not (laughs) the lifestyle I am looking to have. So my bottom line thing is, Make it simple, make it comfortable for you and for your guests, because everything else will flow. So true. I think you have to stay true to who you are, too. I think that was a great piece where you say, if you're not a chef, don't be afraid to go out and get something and serve it and think about what your guests like. I love that idea, too, because there have been many times in my life story, right, that I would 
have somebody that would come over who loved Italian wine. And even though I might have a few examples, maybe their favorite I wasn't familiar with. So I would come right out and ask them, what's your favorite Italian wine? And then go get it. Like it's about staying true to who you are and play what you know well and borrow from others what you don't. Because at the end of the day, people don't remember all that. They remember the time they had with you. Exactly. Or they might remember the fact that you went and got that favorite bottle of wine, that you remembered that was their favorite bottle of wine. Right. I mean, those are the things I would always try to pick up on. And, you know, vice versa, it could be what you don't want to do. It's not always mm-hmm. what you want to do, but it's what you don't want to do. There were guests that didn't like fragrance or something in their room and this kind of a pillow where they wanted more space on their dressers to spread out. So it's also just paying attention. If somebody's coming to stay at your house or to be with you, obviously you're comfortable enough to have invited them for that experience and you want to spend time together. So, you know, what I learned is everybody does have quirks, whether they are friends, families, or guests you don't know, but some people are going to want to get up early for coffee. Uh Some people are going to want to stay up late and have espresso. Some people don't want breakfast. So what I learned was Try to accommodate that to a way it makes it easy for you too. So I didn't want to get up at, you know, as I said earlier, five o'clock in the morning to make coffee. So we decided to put Nespresso machines in the room. Everybody's comfortable making their own coffee on those things, especially today. Early, late, it was there for their convenience. So again, it's make it simple. Let people feel comfortable with their quirks. And you, you want to sleep in, you sleep in too. I love that. And I think, too, it's kind of like setting the stage in a very natural way in your own home. It's like saying to your guests, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to set the coffee up and here's the espresso. Here's where you find it. Get up. Go help yourself in the morning. I'll meet you when I wake up and just really make it natural. And I think the other thing that I loved hearing you say that everybody has different expectations of how they use the room, right? So getting a guest room ready. Is there anything that you would share with the listeners around the room itself? Like just how to keep it easy and think about it. It's going to be your own home, right? So people typically aren't picky, but are there those certain things that you have found, even with hosting guests in your own home, that you've always kind of said, these are my essential go-tos just to make sure that everybody's set up for a stay at my house? Well, I learned it from the business, but yes, definitely. And I've brought the things I've learned from hosting at an inn to my own hosting at home. Mm -hmm. And a few things are because people are traveling and they have luggage and they have toiletries, they want counter space. They don't want to walk into a room that has lots of little figurines and tchotchkes (laughs) or in the bathroom. And they have everybody now travels with a million buckets. So, you know, in our guest rooms, we put power strips because everybody has (laughs) so many things to plug in and read. Right. It might be something you want to put in a guest room at home to make it easy and not have people looking under a bed or moving a, a nightstand to get behind there. So Love that. it's a simple, and there's so many little compact ones now. One of the things I really found funny that people use more than I really thought was robes. We didn't hang robes in the closet. We folded them on the bed because we stayed in a uh, hotel in Italy And that was the first thing that walked in and it blew my husband away because he thought it was very inviting. You know, relax, get comfortable in a robe. So robes and slippers were the two things 
that people used more than I thought they would. And I don't know if slippers are just because of cleanliness and people didn't want to walk on a bare foot floor, but I think it was also because it was there. People really like to experience some of the toiletries or the amenities they don't have at home. They want to mm-hmm. experience. And people did, like I said, use the robes and slippers a lot. Of course, I tried to think of a lot of extra toiletries. Everything seems to be geared around women in a bathroom. So I was like, well, why don't we have shaving cream for men? Mm-hmm. You know, just a little something that makes it special. But again, in your own home, you can't necessarily do all those things. But that doesn't mean that you can't have some nice toiletries in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee you, people will use them because it's something they don't have at home. I tried to set up the room so there's enough space for people to unpack and be comfortable. A lot of people, I don't know about your guests, but a lot of people I Mm -hmm. know, they don't like to live out of their suitcases. Mm-hmm. So even though there's an empty dresser for them to use, I got luggage stands for my home, for obviously the inn. And a lot of people just like a luggage stand to use and to keep their stuff in their suitcases. I don't know why, but some people don't unpack. So yep. I do think it's about leaving enough space so they're not knocking into things and knocking or moving mm-hmm. or your little toilet, uh, not toiletries, your little figurines or whatever picture frames and just make it comfortable space-wise. Nice linens and a comfortable bed and pillows are a guarantee. I, I totally agree. I, you know, it's really funny, Liz, because I think of when I left White Fences and came home, I had to host two couples at my home. And the first thing I went and did was buy makeup towels because I left. I went and got toiletries And I did get a look. I cannot believe you're saying these three things. I got a luggage stand because I was thinking, A, I didn't have enough closet space. And B, I was in an era in my home where I didn't have dressers. I was all about the built-in and the closet and no dresser. And I had more chairs than I did dressers. So I think for me, I walked away with that. And I think I love, love, love introducing a guest to a new product. And I think that that is just such a special way for you to share a favorite of yours in their bathroom, perhaps something that they haven't used before. But the one thing you just mentioned, and I think it's brilliant beyond brilliant, is the whole charging station and making sure that that is set up for your guests. I think that's so lovely. And besides all the other fun things that you always had in your room, such as books and blankets and the things that make everybody feel cozy. The other thing I was thinking about too is, I think the robe idea is fascinating. And it's funny because my husband, the first thing he did when he walked in was put on the robe that you had. He thought the robe was it. He was like, Eric, he was like, and who would ever think a guy, right? You know, we put him on to go to the spa, but he was like, I'm putting on the robe and I'm going to go down to the pool in the robe. And it was just, there was an association. Breakfast in the robe. robe. Yeah, exactly. They were like, can can we have breakfast in our robes? I'm like, if you're comfortable, I'm comfortable. I love that idea. And I think, you know, there's so much that you can do with that thought process for your own home too, whether you want to monogram it or whatever you want to do with your own little fun to add a quirk to it. I I think it's just brilliant. 
So as we think a little bit about, you talked a little bit about menu and cooking and that kind of thing. And I have to say to those that are listening, Liz is an amazing chef. I mean, she's not a cook. She's a chef. And, you know, for well, all the times that I would come, well, you know, I'll call her a chef because she's a chef in my eyes. So every time I would come to stay, the thing that really amazed me, and I kept saying to her, you need to have a cookbook, was her breakfast. They were so memorable. And, you know, so talk to me a little bit about creating a memorable breakfast, a start to the day, because it really does, and I felt like it did for me, it just set the tone for the day. And talk to me a little bit about where you got your ideas for your breakfast, who did you draw on for inspiration? I would just love to hear more about that. Well, when we decided to do this, the funny thing is, I'm not a breakfast person. So I was never <laughs> into cooking breakfast, but I'm like, I better start learning. When we started Kenny Bunk, it was 2010. And that was really the beginning stages of social media. The Food Network was really coming on. I started to research that way. It was hard in the beginning. And quite honestly, there are very few good breakfast cookbooks out there. Mm -hmm. So again, I didn't want to do scrambled eggs and bacon and basic French toast. So I just tuned in to a lot of the up and coming bloggers. I mean, which has changed so dramatically over the 14 years since Mm -hmm. we started. And I really took things and tried to make it, put a twist on it. And the perfect example is, I was reading a Martha Stewart cookbook and I saw, I forgot what the the whole recipe was, but it was a dessert that included vanilla ice cream and it centered Mm -hmm. around vanilla ice cream. And I think it had maybe sauteed pears or something on that or peaches, I think it was. And I'm like, well, why can't I do that with Greek yogurt? Hmm. So I started because as Anne was saying, my breakfast was a three course breakfast. So there was a, Mm -hmm. a fruit dish could be with yogurt or not, usually a baked pastry dish that I would make, and then a hot entree. So it was really more like a brunchy kind of experience Mm -hmm. because it would last you for a a long period of time. But at the same time, I would think of ways to make it not just yogurt and berries. So I did a yogurt mousse sometimes, or I tuned into things that I thought I could convert from maybe a dessert way and make it a little bit healthier. I would, again, traveling was such a big part of all of my experiences and food. I like Anne, I'm a foodie and I love food experiences and I learn from every restaurant I go to, good or bad. Mm -hmm. So we were in Hawaii one year and I met a woman that owned five restaurants and we just started Mm -hmm. chatting and she gave me her recipe for, it was the ultimate French toast. So it's basically taking a brioche bread, breaking it up and soaking it in layers with a custard that you would make with ice cream, a cream anglaise. And then you, you let that absorb overnight. You bake it the next day and then you slice it and saute. It's a process, but boy, did every guest love it. Mm. And then I gave her my recipe that I had found somewhere along the line for an opal, apple brulee oatmeal. So it was like cream brulee meets oatmeal. And she was using it for her catering business. So oh my you gosh. connect with people and you ex- share experiences 
And the other thing that I tried to do is I kept a calendar of every breakfast I served every day that somebody was there. And when Anne was returning, I would say, well, Anne had that the last time, so I'm not going to serve that again. Let's try to find something different. And then in the interim, you had to throw in if somebody had dietary issues. (laughs) That's okay. Fortunately, we didn't have a lot of vegans because they're really tough at breakfast time, but we did conquer that too. And there were a few mishaps with that along the way, unfortunately. But, you know, somebody said to me one day, they wanted, couldn't I do salads for breakfast? And I'm like, well, I don't know if salad for breakfast. And lo and behold, I found a Caesar salad breakfast. So you put a poached egg and you put some nice romaine and some prouton, sourdough croutons. There's ways of twisting it up. When you're into cooking and food, you find those ways. But every place you look, you know, a breakfast pizza, why not? Mm-hmm. I love that. You know, I just, I kept my mind open to everything I was experiencing, whether it be on the cooking channels, food blogs, or just going out to dinner myself. I love that. I think there's nothing better than trying to recreate, right? Something that you've seen someplace else. I, I think that's so fantastic. I think the one thing that I really love when you said this, and I totally forgot, and now I started thinking about it. Yes, your breakfast was three courses. And I do think when you're hosting people at your home, our day-to-day life, we get up and we go, right? And it's grab and go typically for me for breakfast. And so when you're hosting, what becomes so beautiful is when you wake up, hopefully, it's a lounge and linger, right? When you wake up in the morning. And by having three courses at breakfast, because we often think about that at night, right? You start your day with just great conversation or somebody that loves to read a newspaper or somebody that just wants to lounge and linger. Those three courses just help you slow down too. And that's part of feeling relaxed back to the beginning when you said the most important thing is you want to stay true to yourself so people feel relaxed. Well, the same thing with the breakfast. And I think that whole art of having three courses at breakfast versus at night is just something unusual for a guest to experience. And it's different. And I love how that can be thought of differently when you're hosting guests at your home. So, well, and a lot of it was done quite honestly to give me time to cook in the kitchen. So, <laughs> but then there would be the time where my husband would over engage and I'd be like, it's ready. Stop talking. I need to. Eat. <laughs> because it became too chatty and too comfortable for my timing. So then it yeah. became an issue. But, yeah. you know, listen, there were plenty of times where we would have guests, you know, breakfast was from 8 30 to 10. And we'd still have guests, and it could have been you for all of <laughs> Yeah, and probably. Fox sitting there going, and he'd be like, well, I have to go start my day. But we were so engaged in conversation at that point. Right. Well, it was relaxing. But, you know, another funny experience, and this is a whole dynamic. Mm-hmm. When we owned our inn in Maine, and it was a little bit in the Hamptons when we could serve outside, we had a main dining room, which had a big table that would seat eight people. And we had a second dining room that had four tables for two tops. Everyone gravitated to the tables of the two tops. And then the people Mm. that came later had to sit at, let's say, the communal table. Everybody's afraid to sit down and meet new people. But they would talk across the room to each other, but they wouldn't sit next to each other. I didn't have that experience. I didn't have that room in the Hamptons. So it was one communal table. Mm. More people met each other 
and stayed friends because the dynamic was more, or the geography was more from Manhattan. And I had so many guests become friends still to this day that they met at the end because they lived in Manhattan. They came to the week, you know, they came to the Hamptons. Mm-hmm. On the right. And it was all because they sat at that bigger table and engaged with everybody else. So where are you going for dinner? How was the restaurant last night? Where do your kids go to college? And it just was really, that was what made it so special. And one of the first things people said to me was when you get into this business, it's going to be the guests that make the experience. And it was. I totally agree. It was the breakfast that brought everybody together. And as Anne, you know, cocktails, food, that's what I'm about. That's what my lifestyle <laughs> That's what my hobby is. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. So, you know, it's that's what I enjoy. And I enjoy meeting people and talking about those things, whether it be at a restaurant or wherever you are in the world. It brings people together. I totally agree. And as I think about this, one of the things that comes to mind for me as I listen to you about the communal table, I think it's okay too when you're hosting at home to invite people from two different sectors of your life and relationships, right? You can say, I am going to have two couples stay at my house this weekend, and they've never met before, but you just have a sensibility about you that they'll get along and their conversation and their interests kind of intersect. Because I do think when we host, we sometimes can put ourselves in a lane. I'm only going to have this person on this day. I love when I say, you know what, I'm going to have this couple and this couple come at the same time, because I think we'll all get along. And really, life is about learning. And it just creates a whole different dynamic. So I think as we think about hosting, it doesn't always have to be so predictable. No, it's nice I, to have different. When it's not, I mean, that's one of the things I've just moved again for, I don't know how many times. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> here we go again. So it is about reaching out and meeting people. And I've already met more people in New Mexico than I met in the 18 months living in Naples. And Mm -hmm. part of it's because the person that I have as my core here, Mm -hmm. she's already said, I'm going to just introduce you to a bunch of people I know. And you know what? Some of them you like, some of it, some you connect with, some you don't. What it make, if it's the same old core group of people, it's boring. I Mm -hmm. love to introduce people from other places and things. And somehow it usually comes together. It's all about meeting new people and keeping life interesting. Sometimes it gets a little spicier than you want, but it still makes it interesting and fun. So I'm totally with you that mix it up. Bring, you know, people well enough to know if they're going to get along or not get along. Right, exactly. And you know what? Que sera, sera, they don't. I think the one thing that I really love is I kind of think through what we're talking about, right? It's this whole element of relaxing. It's this whole element of make the room easy. Think of those unexpected little essentials that you can add to the room. I think the luggage stand and the charger is a must. And yes, I couldn't agree with you more about clearing the way. There are times I've walked into homes going, I don't even know where to sit because it's been overcrowded, to. right? Who, who wants to have the overcrowded space? And then you sit there and say, you know, really set up the evening for the morning, get up and wake up and do this. And you're on your own, you're part of my home. And then delight them with this three course breakfast is just really amazing. And I can already start to imagine this. As soon as my home is done, I can't wait to have you there and do the same thing for you. 
as we think about all these new adventures, right? And I'll, I'm sure there have been times in your life that you've hosted that, I mean, I've got a couple stories, right? That you can think of that you probably had some good learnings, or I don't think I would do this, because we often talk about the things to do versus the things like, oh, try to avoid this. What would those be for you, Liz? I've only had a few bad experiences, and they were doozies. And I honestly, I don't know how I could have prevented them. I mean, it wasn't with personal hosting. It was with business hosting. It was just people behaving poorly. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was really hard to control and understand why. We did the best to simmer it. But I honestly, I don't have that many bad experience on a personal level, which I think is more what we would be thinking about here. Mm -hmm. Again, it's the personality thing would be the only thing I can say has sometimes gotten in the way. And it's been more probably political issues Mm -hmm. um, than hosting issues. But I can't say I've ever really experienced a bad personal hosting experience. Right. It's so true. My husband always says there's three things you don't talk about at a meal or three things you don't talk about, you know, and, and, you know, right. But people forget. And that kind of comes with a little set of etiquette that it's what your mother taught you. Right. And you hope it transcends, but there are some people that they missed the mismanners of, you know, how to be a guest. Yes, exactly. Exactly. If you're with people that share your point of view or those type of things, it's one thing, but when you're with people, that you're not sure of. It's yeah. not worth it. It's, yeah. You know, it makes every it makes everybody uncomfortable. Right. And I think there is an a little bit of an element to a host that, you know, you gotta stay true to yourself, but at the same time, there is a purpose for redirect right? And reposition. And I think it's your home. And I think when that happens, if it should happen, you know, to keep in mind, it is your home. And there is a gentle way to redirect and reposition the experience you want people to have. So I think that's quite... Create the diversion. And that would be very easy for me because I would probably start singing and dancing and changing. (laughs) I would put music on pour a drink and say, who's going to dance with me to the next song? And that is something if you were to ask my children, they will say, they know when my mother is 100% relaxed in front of guests and parties is when she starts to say, let's dance. And I have been known to do that. And I have been known to say, let's put on Sinatra and start to waltz with somebody. And then you know, I could flip a switch and put on. Right, right. My my daughter will say, please do not play Usher. We will see a whole different personality. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about before we transition into the five classic questions, you know, departing, saying goodbye. Are there any little special things that you could think of for our enthusiasts that are listening to us that they could recreate in their own home around departures? Absolutely. Again, the departure can be as important as the welcome Mm -hmm. because that's your last moment to create that lasting memory because they're leaving now. So it's not just goodbye and close the door and move on. So as you know, I Mm -hmm. would try to then Mm -hmm. send people off with something from my oven. So whether it be a couple extra cookies in a cookie bag to eat along the way home and a bottle of water, because again, 
we're going back in that same traffic. Right. So as things changed, or if there was, you know, we gave a lot of people our mugs because that mm-hmm. obviously could stick with them. And maybe a year from now, you mm-hmm. woke up and found that mug in the back of the closet, but hopefully a nice breakfast memory or a, a restful sleep memory mm-hmm. came to mind when you saw that mug. Maybe it was the travel set of the toiletries that we had in the room. So again, I tried to tune into what people were telling me made their stay memorable. As you know, towards the end of owning the inn, I got into making sourdough before that whole sourdough phase happened. Right. But as I was practicing making that, I'd be like, oh, I'll give somebody a loaf of bread to take home. It's just, it's a little gesture of kindness or something that, again, obviously, They've created a memory with me too. It's not just what mm-hmm. I've done, but there was a connection and I wanted mm-hmm. to keep that connection going and, and share how important and how special I thought they were to me. It's not mm-hmm. just about me, sir. It's just about caring and giving. And I just like mm-hmm. to give a little something on the way home. I love that. And I even loved how you even thought of someone that may have not been at the stay. I remember when I came with my sister and I actually got a loaf of that bread and you gave it to me for Don who was home because he almost ate the whole loaf while he was at your place and how you remembered that and how you made that connection. But it was also for people that weren't really there that you remembered family. And I think that when somebody leaves your home, how do you send them away with a piece of your heart that connects back to their heart? And I think if that filter, but I, I do think we often forget about the departure. I do think we sometimes want to, thanks for stopping by, but I think the most touching, and you said it so well, is we greeted them with a warm welcome and how do we make them leave? And it's hard, right? You're just so overwhelmed with emotion when you get that little something special when you leave someone's house. So I think it's great. You're probably tired at the departure time, most of the work all weekend, but I try to think it before they even get there. And I try to Mm -hmm. be prepared and prepped Mm. so that it isn't a last minute need. Now, for some people, it was a last minute thing because maybe I just met them. Right. It would even be, we had little tea boxes that I had. And maybe it was for the person that was babysitting so that you could get away and leave your kids at home or the dogs. Right. Or something like, again, I would go back to some of the conversation we had and try to remember those little things. I do. And I remember even the tea because sometimes people too, I always would have extra boxes or extra bottles in my case of either a wine or a tea or a bag of coffee, because sometimes they'll say, where is this coffee from? Where is the tea from? And I remember going and purchasing the tea from your place, because I fell in love with it. And I remember that. So I do think, again, planning for a perfect stay at your home is not as hard as we all think, but there is a bit of planning involved. But the most important is stay true to yourself and what you want the whole weekend to be. Exactly. You don't have to overdo it. I mean, that's the bottom line. Don't overthink it. Don't overdo it. These are your friends. These are your family. These are people that you already are comfortable and you want to share your time with. They don't want you be in the kitchen the whole time you're right. visiting because that they didn't come there to watch you cook. They came there to spend time with you. So, so true. It's always about how you make them feel. Try to make it easy on yourself and then they'll be relaxed too. If they see you're relaxed, then they'll be relaxed. So Totally. All right. Well, this this is the fun part of the conversation, Liz. 
It's where everybody gets to learn a little bit more about you in a different way, because we all have a little classic soul in us, right? So who has influenced your style the most, either for your home or for you personally? I don't think I have a who. I have a what. And my what is travel. Hmm. I have learned so much from traveling. Just the experiences, as I said previously, good and bad. I was fortunate in my corporate life to do a lot of traveling, mostly in the U.S., but some abroad. And I learned so much from traveling to different regions of the United States and different places in the world. And that really stuck with me from food to style. It really, really, really exploded my world. And I think that's what really got my senses going in the food world was just all the travel that I got to do. I love that. What's your favorite classic item in your closet? Cashmere sweater. Oh, love that. Specific color. Do you have a favorite color? Beige. Love that. Oh, my God. I like natural colors. Oh, my gosh. Girl after my own heart. Favorite classic cocktail? Don't have them often anymore, but martinis. Oh, so perfect. What is your most memorable dining experience? There's so many. (laughs) I have so many, but I think my most memorable dining experience might have been at Danielle in Manhattan. (sighs) Oh, my gosh. Lucky you. Lucky you. I think mine is in New York as well. So just amazing places there. Favorite destination for travel, which I'm sure is going to be a tough one too. But if you had to pick one, and maybe for you, maybe two. (laughs) Well, I would always like everybody else. I'd have to say probably Italy. Mm. I still have my bucket list of places I need to get to. So I'll leave it at Italy for the moment and I'll make Paris my runner up. Mm. And again, it's based on a lot of food. (laughs) Yeah, always, right? Perfect. So awesome. Well, thank you, Liz, so much for being part of the show today. As I think, I I just can't wait to go host guests. I can't wait to get my house built so that I can. But I hope that you're one of the first ones there. So I can only give to you what you've given to me. So thank you so much for being part of this. I'm flattered to be a guest at your home. And I can't wait to see your beautiful home get built because your style and class is just it's exceptional. So I'm sure you will have lots of wonderful memories created in your new home. Thank you. Watching your podcast journey explode. So thank you for including me on your new journey and best wishes to you. Thank you, Liz. Ta-ta. Ta-ta. Thank you for listening to this episode of Classic and Curious. Be sure to check out our episode notes at styledbyark.com. We have included one of Liz's three-course breakfast menus, along with a list of her essentials. We would love for you to hit the subscribe button. And most importantly, we look forward to our next time together. Ta-ta for now.